0: Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship Cypress, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. Advent is a season for reflective preparation to celebrate the coming of Jesus. During this season, we desire to grow as followers and disciples of the light of the world. Join us for this week's lesson as we learn and pray to be more like Christ. Amen. Thank you, friends. It's great to have you guys. It's always wonderful to have you with us. Good morning, it's nice to have everybody here. Um, Thank you for joining, I hope that your week uh, was sufficient. We're gonna be working our way through Philippians chapter two, along with some other scriptures today, specifically being John chapter one, you can turn there in your Bibles we just finished the book of Ephesians and we have been talking about all the spiritual blessings and promises that we have in God. Right. We've been adopted into his family that we have something to look forward to. And then we talked about the last three chapters of Ephesians talk to us about how to live that out. And a lot of it was about how to live a life of love and unity. And some of you have been going to church for a really, really long time, right and so Advent, you're like, oh, it's Christmas season. We're going to get the hope, joy, love, peace, and Jesus is Lord of all. And that's kind of how we come at it, right? Because we've heard it, right? And you're, and you're not quite sure which way the pastor's going to go on Christmas Eve. Is he going to try to spruce it up and do something crazy, or is he just going to get to the main thing and tell you the story the way you've always heard it? I have no idea if it's going to appease your expectations or not, but we're going to give it a go. What I'm going to ask you to do if you've been here for a long time, going to church for a long time, is this, that you would listen with fresh ears, not necessarily to learn anything because I know you know it all already, but that you might take something from it so that you can use it with somebody else. Because our Christian life is not meant to be kept for ourselves, is it? But to be offered to somebody else. And if this is your first Advent season, maybe you're a new believer or you're not a believer at all. I want you to listen because we're going to talk about things that you're actually looking for, things that you're hoping to get, that things that you want in your life, that maybe in searching in other places. And my hope is that today and next week and through this Christmas season that your life would be changed. Because that's the hope, right? That our lives are changed. And that you would take it to learn and you would take it to also offer it to somebody else who might know it less than you. And my fundamental question is, what is it in fact that you're hoping for today? What do you hope for? Like, what do you find yourself hoping for? What do you hope for in people? What do you hope for in your relationships? What do you hope for in the world? What do you hope for in the, in the, the world in which we live kind of leaves a little bit to be desired, right? It can seem a little hopeless, relationships we bring into we come into the world in brokenness right society culture all the different things that we interact with on a daily basis you're hoping for something my question is what is it if you're a christian right we're hoping for the second coming of christ we're like hey we celebrate christmas it's a celebration cuz we're we're expecting the promises to be fulfilled we're expecting to be Carried off in glory to be with God forever, right? And if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you're still hoping for something. You might, you're looking for it in a lot of places and a lot of people. I did that. I remember very clearly I did that. Anybody who's a believer should still very clearly remember what you used to hope for and who you used to put your hope in. It'll help keep your, your, your faith fresh if you can remember those things. Sometimes it can be a little daunting to find hope anywhere, right? Today we're going to talk about how we can find hope in unity, how the things we've learned in Ephesians and what we're going to read today in Philippians, how the unity for those who are in Christ should give us hope that there's something else to come. Because you and I both know that there's nothing in our experience that would tell us that we're ever going to get along. Think about it. I won't won't mention the season. It's the second year, so everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's the midterm. Right? People in general don't get along. To have a unified purpose and mission and to do so for something that is not about you seems completely irrational in the world in which we live. This is the world that Jesus came into the first time. Let's read about it. John chapter one. In the beginning was the word. The word here is referring to Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. You can go read in Genesis chapter one. You you'll have a very right in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was with God it says. He was with God and the word was God. We could spend 10 weeks talking just about this sentence in the Bible. The word Jesus was in the heavens, he was with God in fellowship, communion with God, present with him in glory. When all things were created, he was there. Not only was he with him, he was him. This speaks to the idea that the Jesus that we'll hear about at Christmas, the Jesus that we'll talk about, the Jesus we'll read about in a few more verses. Was the embodiment, the full embodiment of God on earth. And the implications, by the way, the implications of this should freak you out and simultaneously cause you to celebrate. Because we're talking about, we're going to talk about this fellowship with him, the God of the universe, the one who put breath in your lungs. If that doesn't stir you a little bit, that we're talking about the God of the universe being near us, you need to spend all week long doing nothing but thinking about that. It says he was... In the beginning with God, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. What are you hoping for? God, I want life. I want real life, abundant life, true life, free life. It's found in him, the word Jesus. In him was life and the life was the what? Light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He brought life and light into the world. Do you know why? Because we live in death and darkness. This is the thing. He came into a world of death and darkness. You're like, well, what do you mean? Well, the Bible says that our sin, right, earns us death. And then it causes us to live in separation from God, darkness. And because we are all sinners, because we have all chosen to do whatever we want and not what he wants. Right. We've rebelled against God. We've sinned. We live in death and darkness. So what is what do people need if you want real life life? You want life from death and you want light from darkness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Jesus said later on in this book, he says that I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but what? Through me. So John came to be a witness. He came to offer this testimony about the word who was with God and who was God, who through, through him made all things. And John says, I want to bear witness so that all might believe through Jesus. John was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is really important because we're gonna talk about in Philippians about this participation that we get to have. We'll get there. But I want you, I'm just gonna read this and we'll, we'll refer back. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Have you ever walked by? You walk by a lot of people every day. You see them, they're there, but you don't know them. He was in the world, but the world did not know him. He came to his own. He's referring to the Israelites. His own people did not receive him. The nation of Israel had a covenant with God, I won't get into it. There's a lot of history there, but he came to bring salvation to God's people and to the whole world. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will or the flesh, nor of will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. Jesus who was with God and who was God became flesh. Pinch yourself. Go ahead, do it pinch yourself. You're flesh and blood, right? Don't pinch your neighbor, just yourself. All the kids are like, mom, he told me to pinch you. He became flesh and he what? He dwelt in a mansion up on the hill separated because he's too holy for us. No, he he dwelt in an estate far off in a distant land, hoping that we might find him. No, what it says is the word of God, who through him all things were made. It says he became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. Right? He moved in next door. In fact, he knocked on your front door and asked if he could come in, the scripture says. He dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he is and was before me. And here it is, verse 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Are you hoping for forgiveness? Maybe you live in shame and condemnation. This idea of grace, getting what you don't deserve, grace upon grace. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus had the highest position. And when he came into the world, he gave up his position, which we're gonna talk through in Philippians. It's the most, one of the most tremendous ideas and truths in the world. That the God who made us made a way for us to be with him again and what it required and what happened should transform every single person's life on the earth. It should. You're sitting here because it has, for the most part, transformed yours, right? This is the first Advent that we celebrate Jesus Christ coming into the world. Don't worry, we'll talk about the manger later. But I want you to see from this other perspective. Let's take it from another angle. Flip over to Philippians chapter two. We're just gonna hit two verses here. And we're gonna talk about what it means. Philippians was written from a prison cell by the apostle Paul. Paul who had given up his life to follow Christ and to do what he wanted him to do. And he shares, this, he shares this bit here in this chapter two as an encouragement to imitate this thing that we just read, to imitate this idea that the Jesus we believe in gave us an example to follow. And that example was that he didn't see his position as the most important thing, but he actually, he came to offer hope, he came to give us this idea of a unified group of people, one common purpose, that is different than the world that we experience of death and darkness. Chapter two. I'm going to read a couple of verses before that, just so you have it. He ta- he's, this is great. He's, uh, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, and he talks about how to stand firm and one mind and spirit. And he says, "Hey, you're going to have to suffer for Jesus." Not like suffer for Jesus in the way that we make jokes about like, oh, you're getting called to Cabo. You're going to suffer for Jesus. That's not what he's talking about. He's about actual suffering. You're going to have opposition. You're going to have problems. You're going to be engaged in the same conflict that you saw I have been engaged in. And he says this, chapter two, verse one. So if there is any encouragement in Christ... Any comfort from love, any participation, you can underline that one, in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. If there's any encouragement in Christ, this word encouragement is to offer consolation. Paraclesis is the Greek and it's to cause someone to be encouraged or consoled either by verbal or nonverbal means. So think about the hope that we have in Christ, the encouragement that he brings. I have come that they might have life and life to the full. I've come to lead them out of the dominion of darkness into the light. And I've come to rescue and bind up the broken heart. He says it. Jesus offered encouragement with his verbal, Right. Being encouraged or consoled either by verbal or nonverbal. And then he went and he did it. He offered encouragement through his actions, through his service, right? I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many, it says. Again, all this is an example Paul's talking about. And he goes on to say this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, you have encouragement through his words and his actions. Not the least of being his death and his resurrection, could you imagine if we only talked about his birth, death, and resurrection on the couple holidays that we've set aside to do? No way. This is the story. This is the thing that we are doing as a church. And he goes on. So if you have any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, that word, that love is agape. Right? We know agape, phileos, eros. This is the agape, the unconditional, the more... Um, this is the love with which God shows to us. Any participation in the Spirit. Let's be on my headstone. All he said was participation. It is because this word is an invitation for us to live in intimacy with God, and not just that to be a part of uh, a close functional participant in the work of God to know him and to obey him out of love for what he is and who he is and what he's done. This word participate, you guys know it's koinonia. It's the word we use for fellowship. It's an association involving close mutual relations and involvement. Involvement. Involvement, right? Right? If you participate, you are what? You're involved. Personally, I think that you shouldn't get a trophy for just participating. That's just me. Don't get offended. It's just how I feel. But it is something that we are invited into to participate. John the Baptist. What was he doing? What was he? he was a witness of what? The work of God. He was invited in, he had close mutual relations. He was involved in the work of God because he knew and was intimate with Jesus, and his obedience caused him to participate. You're know, like, well that's great, I can do that, but I don't want to do so with all these other people. This is the glory of the cross. this is why this is why it should give you hope because Jesus didn't come and just die for you, though he would have. He didn't just Give you the opportunity to be involved to participate, though he would have. But he's calling us all into this fellowship, this participation with him and with one another. And I don't know if there's anything else. In fact, I know there's nothing else that could facilitate that type of unity among people who are so different. Think about it. Just that silly, silly participation trophy thing that I just said. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh how could you, I get it. I get it. I came from, I'm, I'm a little throwback. I don't care about participation trophies. I think they're stupid. Now I can say that out loud. And here's the thing. If you key on this one thing and don't listen to the rest, we have a bigger problem. Some of you are like participation trophies are great and that's fine. The glory of this thing that we're talking about is that Jesus who had Position with God, who came into the world to dwell among us, asked us all, with differing viewpoints on participation trophies and everything else, to be focused on the more important mission about being witnesses to the glory of Jesus Christ. And that we get to be involved in that together. And then you, you take somebody like me or you take somebody like Bill, or you take somebody like uh, uh, Garrett or you know Ryan or Chris and we can do these things together even though we don't see everything eye to eye but we do see this one thing, the glory of Christ who has come into the world has been become flesh and dwelt among us to give us hope and a future to offer salvation to the whole world. He says so, Again, Paul writing to the church, who, by the way, was having conflict. They happened to be in um, a Roman city where there was problems being a Christian, problems following Jesus. There was heavy persecution. Participation in the spirit. So it's not just with one another, but it's in the spirit, is this involvement with the spirit of God. Any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of what? The same mind, so that our minds are transformed. The Bible says that through the spirit and the power of the gospel that our minds are transformed. To see things the way that God does. To adjust the way that we see the world to how he wants us to. To not how men want us to or our friends. But how he wants. And we all with those differing viewpoints are being shifted and adjusted and transformed into one mind, the mind of Christ. If you don't have hope, listen, if Jesus can do that, you should put all your hope in Jesus. If he can unify people to have their minds transformed, to have the same mind, that's pretty incredible. Not just the same mind, but what else? Having the same love. Being able to love each other anyway. Being able to love each other without condition. Being able to care about other people more than yourselves, which we'll get to next week. The same love. I don't know about you. I don't think there's anything else on the earth that can do that. Except the power of God through Jesus Christ. And it says being in full accord. Full accord. Not half accord not three quarters of an accord. It means that you are all facing the same direction, committed and resolved to the same mission, the same purpose in full accord, together in agreement. Now, I don't know about you, in or out of the church doesn't matter. We're all a little wonky, aren't we? But, but, there's hope in Christ because nothing else in all of creation can get people like us to operate in full accord. That's the second time I've done that in like three weeks. Right? To operate in full accord, all going the same direction. Right? Like if I asked you all to stand up right now and face the same direction, that would be full accord. And then I could give some directions, just small adjustments. And we may or may not be able to do it in full accord based on a number of things. But the hope that we have in Christ coming to earth is that this is possible. If you're writing things down, it'll be up on the screen. The hope we are looking for, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, comes through knowing that intimate fellowship with Jesus and participating, having involvement in the work of God together until he comes again. The hope that we celebrate at Advent is that we can be in fellowship knowing Jesus and participating like John the Baptist. He wasn't the only witness to the glory of Jesus. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you have surrendered yourself to the goodness and grace of God and asked him to be your Lord and Savior and begin to obey and walk in his will and truth. You get to participate and be involved in elevating the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ. So that you can give hope to somebody else. And where they were living in death and darkness and disunity and discord, they get to walk in one accord with more people. You're like, Johnny, you're being idealistic. No, according to the gospel, it's the only realistic way to look at it. If you look with worldly eyes, this is ridiculous. If you look with the eyes that we used to have, it's unrealistic and impossible. But if we want to live the life that is spelled out to us in the scriptures, it will only come through Jesus Christ and that should give us hope. Here's what it says in Romans chapter eight. It says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have, been the, uh, who have the first fruits of the spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this, we hope. We are saved. Now hope is, that is seen is not hope. You can't hope for something that you see. Hope doesn't come by knowing everything or having everything. It says, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with. No, we don't. I don't, I try. It's not, it's not that easy waiting for this hope with patience. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. According to the will of God. I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna give you three questions to wrestle with and then we'll be done. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for something on the earth? Are you waiting for success or promotion? Are you waiting for lands and riches? I don't know. Not that those things are bad in and of themselves. Maybe you're waiting for something deeper. Forgiveness, salvation, purpose. Who is your hope in? Who is your hope in? Others will let you down. The government will let you down. Pastors will let you down. Your friends will let you down. Your bosses will let you down. People let you down. Who is your hope in? And how would your life be transformed if you put your hope in Jesus Christ? How would your life be transformed if you lived every day waking up, being able to participate together with people that you normally wouldn't be able to participate and be involved with for one common purpose, having the same mind, the same love, the same heart in full accord to lift up the name of Jesus so that the whole world might be saved, like John said, so that all might believe through him. Here's my hope. My hope is that we would all put our hope in Jesus and that we would all in one accord, full accord, offer Jesus to all who might believe and that we might see the light of Christ and the life of Christ transform the world in front of us and around us and that we would lift our eyes back up and put our hope in something that matters instead of all the things that are going on here. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hope we have in Jesus Christ, your son, We're thankful that we can celebrate it not just in the Advent season, but every season and every week. God, and we would just ask that you would fill our hearts with hope for the things that are not yet seen, for the people that are not yet saved because they haven't given their life to you. Salvation is available, Lord, but would you open their eyes? Thank you for the hope we have in Jesus, the light and life that he brings to death and darkness. I'm going to ask those who are helping with prayer to come on up. We're going to take our time of offering as well. At the end of each row is a bowl. If those at the end of the row wouldn't mind standing up and passing that back, please make sure that just gets through the very back and the very end that it would get to my friends in the back who will collect those, help us to continue to be good stewards. You know, the tithe is an opportunity for us to be dependent on God and to trust him with the things that he asks of us. And that you would continually pray and give joyfully, right? So that we can keep doing the work that God has for us. As that's being passed, we're going to have a time of prayer. If you need prayer, maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you need somebody to pray for you. Or you want to pray for somebody else that you know is not a believer. This is a great time to do that. And if maybe you're not a believer and you're like, man, I need to know Jesus. This is a wonderful time to come and find out how to know him and be involved with him as well. Father, would you do a good work in us as we continue to worship you? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe with us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Cypress app to find community in the body of Christ.